Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to another episode of the Cosmic Road Trip Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany. I'm super excited about today's guest. Um, before I jump into that, I wanted to let you know this is a really special episode because it's my first in-person guest. So we are actually recording at our coffee shop here in town, so if the audio sounds different or you hear background noise or you know, lattes being made, that's what's going on. So if you feel like it, grab your own cup of coffee or tea because this will be like a chat with friends. So today I have Meg Calvin on the show and she is a writing and life coach who helps spiritually attuned go-getters write, market, and sell their books. She's also a best-selling author, including her recent book, I Am My Own Sanctuary, and is the host of the podcast, An Uproarious Profundity. On top of all of that, she is my real-life friend and coaching colleague. Welcome to the show, Meg. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay! Yay! I'm so excited to be here. Yay! Um, I was on Meg's podcast a few weeks ago now at this point, so if you haven't, um, I will also link that in the notes because it's definitely a different style of podcast, which is kind of fun. It's very fast action, quick answers, and, you know, kind of... Ridiculous trivia. Yes. Yeah. So it's fun. So the reason I wanted to have Meg on the podcast, well, there's a multitude, but one of the topics I wanted to cover was the transition or 
I don't know, I guess, journey of maybe somebody who has grown up in a religious background and then moved into maybe more of a spiritual, I guess, process in their life. And I wanted to first give a quick recap of how Meg and I became friends. My sister-in-law and Meg became friends. How long ago did you? 2013. Okay. So I had kind of been around Meg a few times and we were in a wedding together and all of that. And then I was currently manifesting, well, this was a few years back, but at the time I was manifesting friends who were into the stuff that I was into. And I think kind of you had reached out maybe about crystals and chakras. Yes. And so I was like, well, I make work. Do we have a small religious college? How would you Mm -hmm. describe the college here in town? Um, United Methodist Affiliated. Okay. So we have that here. And at the time, Meg was working there. And you were also, were you the children's pastor or what uh, minister at the church, Mm -hmm. at one of the local churches here? And so I was like, well, Meg has a very strong religious background. I don't know how my talk of like magic rocks and energy (laughs) systems is going to go, but let's see how this went. And Basically, every conversation since has gone deeper and deeper. And on top of that, we have grown to become friends outside of just like talking about crystals and chakras. But um, it's been amazing. If you are somebody who needs or like is looking for support in your life, you can manifest it. I won't go into details, but Meg and I, every time we meet, have these like, I don't know, life altering, mind shattering yes. <laughs> conversations. So it's totally possible. And even when you don't think it's going to be that type of relationship, it can turn into that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 100%. Yeah. So I wanted to find out, you know, you can kind of give as much as you'd like. How did you grow up? What was kind of the religious overview of your life and, and how things were growing up for you? Deep question. Deep question. I love it. I would expect nothing less from you. Yeah. Grew up, grew up with missionary grandparents whose voices were the loudest in my life. Uh, Very attracted to church. Felt it was a safe place. Felt love there. Felt had spiritual, big spiritual moments there. Um, Preached when I was 13 for the first time. Oh, wow. And then started getting pushed by mentors and family toward that calling. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely was a calling. I knew from that point on, it was either Broadway or something in spiritual spirituality and communications. So ended up working at a church um, age 17 to 32. And 18 to 32 was the same, the same church. So um, was addicted to church as a teen, had no social life outside of the church. Um, thankfully, thankfully, it wasn't a conservative Christian upbringing. It was mm-hmm. United Methodist. So, which is why, as a woman, I was pushed toward the pulpit as a 13-year-old. That is, yes, that's definitely not all the cases yes. with churches and religions. Yes. Yeah. So, not a lot of big scars from the church or any religious deconstructing that needs to happen, um, that needed to happen. So, but definitely had to do some work um, around how much, how I confuse the voice of God or source with just loud Christians in my life because mm. to me they were synonymous for so many years. Okay, so what I guess spurred your, you know, I I think you kind of consider yourself, I would guess, I mean the fact that your your website, your Instagram say spiritually attuned versus mm-hmm. religious. What kind of spurred that um belief system or change in kind of pragmatic dogma religion mm-hmm. to maybe more 
spirituality? Where did that kind of come from? Yeah. So thankfully my missionary grandparents are very liberal. And so <laughs> they had me reading very liberal, uh, like uh, Joan Chittister, um, who's a Catholic nun, but her views of the world are more liberal and progressive. So my grandmother had me reading her and also some Buddhist monks when I was hmm. a teenager. Yeah. But the my seminary experience and my um, church experience was much more conservative. But there was always this inner knowing that disagreed. Okay. And so, and I think the the main things I disagreed with was um, evangelism and conversion. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that we are all here to learn different lessons and that calls for a different curriculum. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always felt that Christianity was only telling part of the story mm-hmm. and that was a quiet, but ongoing whisper. And then I, I have a, I have one of my new marketing clients, Rachel Kathy, who just recently said to me, and I totally, she gave words to my experience. She was raised by a Southern Baptist pastor and she never really got the Bible because it was only addressing the earthly plane. Mm. And I would totally agree with that, that I yeah. now, once she said that, I was like, oh yeah, I totally, that's what I've always thought is that there's so much more than the Bible mm-hmm. and there's so much more than the 3000 ish years that it covers. And so I always had that, that, um, knowing that was different than others who were m- Christian ministers. And then, um, okay. So get to your question. Those quiet nudges were always there. <laughs> And then what led me to step, like totally full on embrace the spirituality and new age way of being, woo woo spirituality, whatever word you want to call that was I had an insane metaphysical experience Mm -hmm. um, about reincarnation Mm -hmm. and dreams. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, yeah, that I was already feeling a nudge and then that just confirmed my nudge. And so, yeah. So. Um, I never, I had never heard this term, but I love it. And I don't know like where, if you came up with it or if you found it somewhere, but, um, kind of that self-proclaimed holy, holy roller, recovering holy roller, um, which I, I think is just so like, I I mean, it's just kind of a fun term for Mm -hmm. something that like, you know, can bring up for a lot of people, at least in that transition phase, guilt from like the, if you think, if you move away from maybe religion into spirituality, Mm. at least I can remember at a younger age, I kind of transitioned from religion. I definitely didn't have, you know, I grew up Catholic and, and did that, but I wasn't really super into it. My family went on Sundays, holidays, you know, I went Mm. through whatever first communion classes and all of those kind of things, confession, all of that. But I can remember being maybe, I don't know, it might've been middle school, first year of high school, like telling my mom, like, what if I don't believe in religion the way, like or in God, the way that it's being presented to me. And I remember having guilt about that. Did you come through any kind of guilt or shame about moving away from religion as you saw it and kind of crafting it to fit how you would like it to fit? Like yes. spirituality moving from religion yes. to spirituality. Yeah, T- totally. To- not from my grandparents mm-hmm. um, or anyone in my family. It was, I think what's kind of weird or sad or just is, is that um, the my Christian mentors, 
their voices slowly became louder than my own family's. Mm -hmm. And I was just living from a place of impressing and appeasing them. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of guilt um, thinking what they would think of me. Mm. But the guilt was very temporary because once I surrendered to the synchronicities and these metaphysical experiences I was having Mm -hmm. and what I was, I was finding so much more healing in learning about chakras and numerology and astrology, like so many childhood things I never thought I would heal were being healed Mm -hmm. and doors were opening. (laughs) So it was, it was big affirmation. Like Mm -hmm. I was on the right track to Mm -hmm. believe this. And Mm -hmm. it just felt like, it felt like home to me. It felt like Mm -hmm. truth to me. And, and I always, I've said this, um, before, that my first experience with a spirit guide, as I've told you about, mm-hmm. um, Shea, who is this black panther who had came to me at a time in a transcendental meditation, then a de- again in a dream, um, at a time when I was experiencing great fear, she came to me and that experience was more palpable than I ever had with any person involved in the Christian mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. And so that was also all those moments of affirmation um, quieted the guilt. Yeah. They added up to kind of, yeah. Mine was even, you know, I, I think mine was all self-induced. Like I Mm -hmm. had no, um, like none of my family made me feel guilty. My mom was very open when I had that kind of, she was like, well, if you don't like believe what you want to believe, it was more so, I think I was terrified. Like, and I, at this point we were in just a, disciples of Christ church. It wasn't even a very, you know, we had a female minister, so it was very open. Um, we had like a gay choir leader. So it was a definitely a more liberal, yeah, liberal esque type church, but I can remember being afraid, like, cause I was 13, 14, 15 while I'm trying to like comprehend all of this and being, afraid that like God was going to punish me for questioning him or questioning it. And now, you know, what ended up happening for me was realizing like, do I want to belong either to a religion or a belief system of any sort that I think I get punished for questioning my belief or questioning something. And then obviously I've come full circle and realized, you know, God source, divine your higher self however you want to look at it that's just natural in the way of questioning what's best for you how you feel that you connect best with your own belief systems and that's how I went through it but I can remember actually feeling scared that something would happen and like my mom's like God's not gonna strike you down like you'll you'll be okay (laughs) but you have to hear it a few times when you've been told I remember my grandma when she got sick with cancer hearing a conversation with my mom and dad and them not necessarily agreeing with it, but my mom and dad were talking about how my dad's mom was terrified. She was Catholic. She was terrified she was going to end up in purgatory. Like she hadn't been a good enough Catholic to ascend. Um, so I just, those kind of things, even if they're not put on you, you pick them up at a young age and take them with you. And I was like, well, I'm either going to be struck down like with a lightning bolt or I'm going to end up in purgatory, which I had no idea what it was. So, um, yeah, I just think it's comforting to know that if you are in this transition, you're questioning things, there's no right or wrong way to kind of move through that. And mm-hmm. that, you know, we both had different experiences of that. Yours was coming from outside. Mine was coming from inside. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that that's kind of an interesting Very, thought. Yeah. yeah. And I love that you were so 
your intuitive was your intuition was already on fire as a 13 year old. That was amazing. Yeah. You were yeah. Choosing for yourself then. Yeah. That's huge. Well, honestly, I mean, it was intuition for sure that it was waking me up, but I can remember the, I don't know, at the time it was some sermon or, you know, message on God being in the bedroom with you as husband and wife and like, holy moly, I know. And I was just like, okay, well, so there's like a third person there. Like I wasn't like fully, and then asking questions about that and being introduced to, um, the divine trinity which if you're not religious is very much like father son holy ghost depending on you know which church you belong to i think they probably kind of switch those names up but realizing that that was all the same thing and we had just put it into terms that mm. people could understand and then that's what led me to questioning the whole Bible, I'm like, so are we just taking a bunch of stuff and putting it into terms that man can understand? So basically we were taking a book that was written by individuals who, in no fault of anyone's, nobody's perfect, are trying to translate very large concepts into a book that can help people live a better life. And at that point I was like, so... I'm just taking somebody else's word. Like I can take my own word just as much as I can take somebody else's. So yeah, that was my, my whole like process over. That didn't happen quickly. Now I can put it into a few sentences on how I came to that. But at the time it was a very, you know, over a couple of years. So, and that's such a pivotal part of being a recovering holy roller. (laughs) Not that you were one, but so many struggle with trusting Mm -hmm. themselves. Like Mm -hmm. the, the church, they have been indoctrinated to turn off the intuition to turn off the trust. Mm -hmm. And that's where the magic happens of life is intuition and trusting yourself. And, Mm -hmm. and on my journey out of Christianity into owning it, that it's only telling part of the story Mm -hmm. and embracing being just spiritual. Mm -hmm. I lost my train of thought. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) No, I agree. I mean, I think it's just, it is a, Oh, it came back. Go up. Um, it's that, uh, that I had to relearn how to trust myself and Mm -hmm. my intuition, knowing that if there was ever anything that wasn't of, that wasn't in line with God's highest good Mm -hmm. or it wasn't in line with source, I would feel it and know it. Mm -hmm. And of all the spiritual technologies and spiritual practices that I've come in contact with and practiced over the past three years, there's only been one moment that something did not feel like truth to me Mm -hmm. and it didn't, it didn't feel like home. Mm -hmm. And I think I told you about it. It was in <laughs> it was in the Netflix documentary, which I highly recommend to your listener, Surviving Death, mm-hmm. and which was so helpful on my healing journey from grief. But there's a moment where there's a woman who channels the dead, and she's in a dark room, mm-hmm. and she's chained to the chair, so people will not, they won't think that it's her moving things at this seance. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't let cameras in, but they let a sound recorder in and her voice was horrifying. Mm. And I had to skip that episode. Mm-hmm. And I realized this might not be wrong. This might be in line with God's highest good or source's highest might be in line with the universe, but it doesn't serve me right now. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to leave it. Yeah. But everything else, um, every other spiritual technology that I practice has helped me on my healing journey, helped me as you say, expand. Yeah. And so, but I did have to learn, which I think a lot of Christians do to trust their intuition, to turn that back on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that that's huge. And 
if anyone has listened to any previous podcast of mine, I am a firm believer of taking what feels like truth and leaving the rest that doesn't. And I practice that in so many um, different aspects of life and just everything, but it's especially true when you are trusting your intuition, when you are um, stepping into your power of, you know, creating some sort of whatever spiritual practices, Mm -hmm. you know, come to you. So, you know, I, I can appreciate the fact, you know, that that was a big process for you to step back into your intuition and, and to feel that. And I think that's probably true for everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's a, if you were lucky enough to grow up in a, a home that let you harness your intuition versus telling you that everyone outside of you is correct. Mm, So definitely. Yeah. So I, I kind of wonder where the process of writing your, when did you become Mm -hmm. a writing coach? Was that before or after your last book? The, it was after my last book. Okay. I thought so. So you wrote, I am my own sanctuary, Mm -hmm. which is about kind of that what, how would you, in yeah. a, I was going to say coming home to yourself, but that's a great way to describe yeah. it. Yes. It's either targeted <clears throat> to recovering holy rollers or I've had some atheists who loved it too. And so Ooh. recovering people pleasers yes, who are ready to take back power over their own life mm-hmm. by tapping into the divine within. That's amazing. And so, yeah. And it tells my story of leaving, leaving the ministry. And so, and, um, yeah, the book before I, my first book came out in 2017 mm-hmm. and it was, um, the blue bonnet child finding grace in poor soil. Mm-hmm. And that was about, um, how the, how to offer kids hope whose home lives are hopeless mm. for teachers and nonprofit programs. And that book, um, opened the door for me to start coaching and speaking at conferences. And I was coaching other ministers mm-hmm. and I started recognizing certain themes that a lot of Christians were ashamed of their ambition of talent they had a, um, and they, a lot of ministers also had amazing book ideas, Mm -hmm. but they had a negative stigma around marketing and that it would be egotistical for them to write it. Mm. They would, it would be egotistical of them to own their desires. Yeah. And so that opened the door for, um, me to start. I I wanted to, I, I started learning how to market my book so I could monetize it. (laughs) And that opened the door for me to coaching other people, as I, cause I, as I call them now, spiritually attuned go-getters who have a high frequency of service. They don't play small in the name of religion. They love their ambition. And all of my clients thus far the past two years have all been writing very deep healing books that mm-hmm. are going to make a huge difference in the world. And so, yes, that led to all, all, that, all that happened. So 2017, the first book came out, and I left the church December of twenty. FNA 2018. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then two years ago started, um, charging to be a coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. beautiful. So how I, I said at the top of the episode, that you're a life and writing coach. Mm-hmm. And while, yes, I'm sure you, you help so much with the ins and outs of writing. You obviously have written books and all of that. I think, you know, we've chatted about how a lot of things that come up are actually mindset related and, mm-hmm. and how you work or belief system related and how you work through that with them. How kind of does the mindset component come into writing a book and, and what do you see some of the biggest things being for, I'd say, I guess, blocks being for people that want to write books? Yeah. So the 
Most common blocks that I see, a lack of belief in self, Mm -hmm. a lack of belief in the uniqueness of their idea, Mm -hmm. a limiting belief around their time, and Mm -hmm. so how can I make this work with my busy schedule as a parent and whatever, Mm -hmm. a limiting belief around marketing, especially with Christians, Mm -hmm. like it would be slimy and coercive and egotistical and greedy of me to market my book. People are just, if God called me to write it, then God will bring me readers. Like, no. (laughs) Yeah. God's just going to drop the uh, (laughs) transcript down for you to just turn it over to your editor and be ready to go. Yeah, (laughs) Uh for sure. I, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about how for anybody that's putting any sort of like project idea Mm -hmm. business, out into the world. Those are very similar things that I work through with clients and, and in my world of, you know, I work with a lot of maybe entrepreneurs and business owners mm-hmm. generally, or people that at least have a side hustle. So a lot of those type of things come up, um, mm-hmm. quite a bit. And I know this was a big thing for me was seeing myself as a creative person, mm-hmm. even though I'm not what some, at least in my head, I wasn't a painter. I wasn't a writer. I wasn't, you know, uh, making sculptures or any kind of artist. And in my head, that was something that I wasn't. And so I, I can probably assume a lot of people feel that way, or at least like maybe they have an idea for a book, but are afraid to kind of like take action on that. Do you have some tips on creativity when trying to harness that, when you're coming up with ideas, even like anything in that nature? Yes. I love this question. (laughs) I love this question so much. Um, The first one that comes to mind is, as you teach so beautifully on in your business and on your show, regardless of gender, owning both the feminine and masculine Mm. energy within Mm. you. And I love the, um, I love the analogy of when you go to a wedding, there's a dance floor Mm -hmm. and that, so that's masculine energy, very structured, <laughs> organized. <laughs> and then, but how you show up on that dance floor is all feminine energy. How you're just receiving the music and organically, spontaneously, chaotically dancing. Mm-hmm. And so for, for writers, people that want to be creative, I mean, it can be very helpful to tap into both of those. So the masculine being, I'm going to set up a routine and honor it, mm-hmm. even if I'm not a linear black and white detail-oriented thinker. Mm-hmm. I'm going to honor this. I'm going to tell my lover and my kids, I, I will be creating every Tuesday night. Mm. That is masculine energy. Creating the structure for mm-hmm. space to create. And then once mm-hmm. you show up, letting yourself just feel and receive, mm-hmm. which leads to a second tip, which is a lot of us have forgotten <laughs> how to be in the feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And we can be doing laundry and dishes all out of masculine energy. It's not the task, it's the energy with the frequency with which we show up, as mm-hmm. you know. And so being in feminine energy is huge for creativity because that's when you're receiving the inspiration, you're mm-hmm. being touched by something. So one tip, well, that's like third tip, sorry, whatever uh, number tip it is, <laughs> is to, regardless of gender, you let yourself receive all throughout the day. Let yourself be touched by things emotionally, physically, like really be mindful of Mm -hmm. how the oatmeal tastes. How does it feel on your tongue? What do the birds sound like? Um, what is your, what do your sheets feel like on clean sheet night? And the more, what does your husband or wife's neck smell like? The more that you are receiving throughout the day, Mm -hmm. when you sit down to be creative, whether it's with words or with 
Canva or, or <laughs> music, whatever it is, it's going to turn on so much quicker because you've had it on all day. Mm-hmm. And so, and that is something that I have seen with them. I'm so thankful. I have always felt called to work with all, both genders, all genders. And thankfully that has been my clientele as well as mm-hmm. I, I work with um, all genders. And that's been something I see in all of them. Mm. It's not just a woman problem or man problem or whatever yeah. gender you identify with. It's everybody struggles with turning that the feminine energy on. Oh and, yes. And so, um, I think, Oh, I, uh, similarly, similarly related. Sorry. I'll pause. No, you're, no, you're fine. No, I think that that's beautiful because it is a, um, awareness of inspiration being all around you. Mm-hmm. And, yes. um, I, I, one thing that I want to touch on just because this is big for me in human design, if you have an open head center, you receive inspiration from everything around you. So like, you know, something outside of you may spark something within you. And that was big because I always thought that inspiration had to like, like I would just be sitting there in front of something and I would be ready to write something or to create something or to whatever. But actually my creativity is sparked by, like you said, a lot of those outside things. And if you have a closed head center, what, you know, maybe you saw or heard or tasted will kind of come from within you, if that makes sense versus something coming outside of you. And that was a very big step for me in realizing like it makes sense that I feel more creative when I'm out and about in the world when I see stuff when I take in art when I read books when I meet with people when I do all of that and other people can kind of use the experiences and things that they've already had in their life to create that inspiration so being it was really hard for me to create for the longest time. I said, like I said, I, I thought that I wasn't creative, even though mine is business creation, idea creation, but it comes from outside of me. So just a little human design tip, like to, and I do, I do like the idea of setting some time up to just let whatever's going to come through, come through because it doesn't have to make sense at the time. Yes. That's so true. Yeah. I think it's worth noting also the, in the sacral chakra that Mm -hmm. where sexuality and sensuality is, that's Mm -hmm. where creativity is Mm -hmm. too. And it makes me think, I read recently that Amy Poehler, phenomenal comedian, as we all know, she writes her shows topless. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, uh, to her, it feels risky and Mm -hmm. that adrenaline and dopamine rush gets her in a place to write. Wow. But I connected it also to the sacral chakra Mm -hmm. and that is, if you, if, if you are blocked sexually, you're blocked creatively. If you're blocked creatively, you're blocked sexually. So you've all, have you seen Bridgerton? I have. Yeah. 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 So the fact that she finishes her song on the piano that she's been struggling to finish Uh the the morning after she self pleasures, she finishes it. Uh I thought was such a beautiful nod to the sacral chakra Mm -hmm. and how there it's just, that's something that I, I feel also in the Christian world, we were never, at least I, and my journey was never taught mm-hmm. that connection. The sexual energy is creative energy. Oh yes. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I've definitely talked about it on the podcast, but mm-hmm. that is, I, I don't even know if, I mean, I think I'm sure I noticed that in the episode, but mm-hmm. I don't think I kind of downloaded that in. So that's 
Yeah, that's and of beautiful. course I noticed it because of human design. Yeah, my what's the what's the phrase? Sacral. I'm You're, sacral. Yeah. I yes, I was going to ask you, but I'll ask you now because I, I wanted to. What is your human design and your big three in astrology? So your sun, moon, and rising. Oh, do you know those? I do know those. Okay. So I'm I'm a generator mm-hmm. human design. Mm-hmm. So. Sacral is my authority. Yes, yes, you're a sacral one three, I yes. believe. So rebel, I'm a third line. So mm-hmm. I, I like to fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. I like to rock the boat mm-hmm. and disrupt thought patterns. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm stepping into that. Mm-hmm. And I like to gather all the information. Yes. And so, yes. I can't yes. what that is. But That's the one in yes. your profile. The one is the information gatherer, the researcher, and you have like an innate ability. How, that's how you see yourself. Like mm-hmm. others see you as the three. Um, so the one is the person that kind of takes all the information in and they have like a high level of discernment. So you're able to kind of process data and information that others either one would be overwhelmed or two wouldn't be able to sort through. And so you take it all in and kind of refine it and then like take the portion, the percentage of it. And it's like, here's what's worthwhile. Here's what's worth knowing. Here's what's, you know, the information you need for either the task project, a life situation, whatever that is. And then the three is the person who kind of Samples life, tries it, sees, you know, I hate using the term because I'm a three, six, everyone uses trial and error. And I do not like that. I think it has like a negative connotation. We're like the natural quality control of life. Like we will try systems out. We will try processes. We will try food. We will try locations, vacations, jobs, whatever, and decide either what works for us or what can benefit the community. So, and where you were talking about the rebel piece is like, we're not here to like the phrase, like that's the way it's always been done is like a, a lightning bolt <laughs> to our system. We're like, absolutely not. And <laughs> that is like our, like we cannot, we will not operate in that way. So, um, I think that's, that's amazing. And that's so, so affirming. Yeah. Astrology. Yes. Your sun, moon, and rising moon Pisces mm-hmm. rising Taurus uh-huh. sun cancer. Yes. 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 Okay. So a big sack of, if I'm reading it right, mm-hmm. as one that's new to it, mm-hmm. a big sack of intuition and emotion. Yes. Yes. You are in <laughs> touch with your emotions for sure. Um, I have a, a cancer rising, so I totally get it. Mm-hmm. So yay. Okay. Um, what switching gears? I love the creativity tips. You can use that in any, any piece of life. So it doesn't totally. just have to do if you're writing a book, if you're an entrepreneur, if you just want to be creative because letting your creativity flow feels good. What is a recent lesson that you've went through? <laughs> <laughs> so many. I know. Every time so we get together, which is like, I don't know, every other week, both of us are like, at least one of us is like, oh my God, what's happened in the last two weeks yes. has been insane. So yeah, yes. um, it doesn't have to be anything crazy if you, you know, share what you're comfortable with. Yes, I'm comfortable with. This is going to sound potentially ridiculous. It, no, we don't, we don't do that. We don't That's, do that. No, yes, yes, yes this yes. is perfectly timed. Yes. Yes. Right and wrong is potentially relative. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's beautiful. And, um, you know, I, I, without getting into, you know, what details were having that kind of, we had a conversation and, you know, very openly, I was like, well, I think it's okay to do X, Y, and Z. Like, and it was a very, 
I don't know, probably opening moment for you to be like, holy hell, I've been carrying this around thinking it's wrong. And here's somebody across the table that's like, no, no, I think it's fine. Like, it's no big deal. Um, And so, and there's so many times that that comes up, like that comes up a lot for me as um, somebody like a three in our line, in our profile. I was reading on this and it made me feel so much better that after something isn't serving us and not in a way of like, we used it up and we let it go, but in a way that like, this isn't adding to my life. It's either not doing anything or it's taking away energetically. We can be an individual who will cut ties with something Mm -hmm. and not in a mean or negative way, but we understand what does and doesn't work and we're not available for it. And me realizing like, this isn't bad to necessarily move on from people when you've outgrown them, when they're like maybe adding negativity to your life is something of that nature. And this isn't to say we go around like cutting people out just because, but we are able to realize when something isn't helping us or benefiting us in any sort of way, even if that's in a, they bring a challenge that I know I'm meant to learn a lesson with this person. Um, so yes, being right, wrong is, you know, a very, the world isn't black and white. It's a very gray territory. Mm -hmm. And as a three, we love playing in the gray. So I think that that's a benefit for everyone to hear that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. awesome. Okay, what are you currently manifesting? That's a more yes, you know, a more fun question. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. We are manifest. I am manifesting along with my husband our our next house. Mm-hmm. So we've been in ours for eleven years, mm-hmm. and um, we're making a lot more money now than we were eleven years ago. Woo! So we're ready for something nicer. Yes. Even though we only have one child, we don't necessarily want bigger. We just want nicer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I am owning that. Yeah. And manifesting it. And I'm also manifesting, um, I am manifesting, I am manifesting, yeah, I think, I think. I don't know why this is coming up for me. Say it. It's, me- it's meant to be said. <laughs> it's meant to be yes. said. I'm manifesting surrenderance. Oh. Can I manifest that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. There's so much weirdness going on in the world today. Like, it feels like a twilight zone. Yeah. And so, and I'm not really, I don't consider myself a micromanaging control freak. Yeah. I don't, maybe I could be wrong. But, um, and so, but that... Yeah, just to surrendering to to what is meant to be is is yeah so. yeah, and I it took me forever. I am, I mean, I still have very control mm-hmm. tendencies. Um, I try a lot to let it go, especially on things like I have a girls' trip coming up with some friends, and the old self would have had to have been like the planner, the details, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. This is why I think we should blah, blah, blah. And the first part of it was, I know I'm going to have fun with my friends, no matter what we're doing. If we're in an Airbnb all weekend, or if we see the entire town in 48 hours, you know, mm-hmm. and I very much was like, I'll let you girls pick what Airbnb sounds good, you know? And it was very, the first time this happened, the last time we did a trip, I was working on really letting go. And that first time when we went to New Orleans, I was like, 
fuck, it's hard to let go of control. And then the second time I was like, no, no, it's going to be okay. And I'm able to let go of control in certain scenarios, not all. Um, but it actually control people think it comes from a masculine place, a wounded masculine, but it's actually a wounded feminine. We don't believe that we can be supported and receive like what we need and in any capacity. And I like to think of it as like a queen that's in her power. The queen knows like if we were talking about an actual queen, like she knows that her breakfast is going to be served to her. She knows that when, um, something comes up, that's not at her level of that. She needs to have a decision made over it, that somebody else will handle it. She knows that, um, someone's going to bathe her. Yeah. Bathe her, her, dress her, do all of the things. And it's a very powerful point to get to like, I surrender to know I'm supported and taken care of by everything. And especially the universe and myself. So it, it took me a long time to realize, like, I'm like, ugh, surrender, yuck. Like, I could <laughs> not do that. And now I'm at to a point where I'm like, it is the hardest thing in my life sometimes to, to surrender. So, mm-hmm. yes, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and last question before I say it. I want to put it out there because Meg is very humble. Um, her booking, um, is probably, I would guess probably a couple of clients of way away from having to start a waiting list. And from my, you know, very humble guidance, I have told her to keep raising her prices as she should, because she's phenomenal at what she does. So how can people find you and work with you? And guys, if you have any interest, any idea in writing a book, this is the person to talk to. She will help you on so many levels. And not only is she a great writing coach, she's a great life coach. I know she has like clients that just want to necessarily be in her energy and are just paying to be around her, even though they're not yet ready to write the book. So, um, how can they find you? How can they work with you? Give us all the details. Thank you for the words. I, re- yeah. I received them. <laughs> yes. They yes. massage my soul. Yay. Um, so you can find me on Instagram mm-hmm. by what my mom calls me and my legal name and my pen name, Meggie Lee underscore Calvin, um, on Facebook, Meg Calvin. I just crossed over to clubhouse and TikTok. Ooh. It's Meg Calvin figuring out those fun, that terrain. Um, and then uh, MegCalvin.com. And I, yes, I love hopping on free, free exploration calls, helping writers get clear on their idea and their publishing process, their marketing process, their writing process. And, um, yes, if you want to hop on a zoom, you will leave with clarity and confidence, even if we don't end up partnering together on your book. Amazing. I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well. So if you need to find it, including her latest book, so you can check that out, especially if you're going through your own religious to spiritual journey, I think that that's a huge um, tool that can help you just by hearing somebody else's experience. And again, as a line three, she has been through it and her experience is where her like juicy, like life gold is available. So by reading that, I think it'll expand you. Even if you're not hundred percent sure what's going on with you, I think that that can help. So anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Just thank you for all you do. Of course. Yes. I know we're, um, I know we sound like a bunch of like gushy love fest over here, but it's completely true. And I'm so excited. We finally got to talk in person and have you on. So Check the show notes. Other than that, guys, I hope um, you have an amazing week and I can't wait to see what you manifest. Love you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.